one ticket for And Why Not, please. This uh, 90s comic book movie special mini-series from And Why Not, the movie podcast from the nerds who haunt themselves. Um, yes, yeah, so over the last few weeks we've brought you the likes of The Shadow, Dick Tracy, The Phantom, The Rocketeer. And um, yeah, if you haven't checked those out yet, go back in the feed, you'll find them there. They should be the last few episodes. Um, yeah, and we've still got The Crow to come. But for this, our fifth episode in the series, the penultimate one... Uh, I was joined by Steve Sims, creator of Beast Hunt and Battle Badgers, to discuss the 1990 film version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, I had a blast talking about this movie uh, with Steve. Um, he's a massive Turtles fan as well. Um, so yeah, it was great to talk about the film and reminisce and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah, which hopefully all come across in the episode. So I will stop rambling and roll the episode. The city itself will be our playground to use as we please, rewarding ourselves and punishing our enemies. We've been looking for you, Miss O'Neill. There is a new enemy, freaks of nature. Together, we will punish these creatures. What the heck was that? Looked like sort of a big title in a trench coat. Steve, how are you? Uh, how's it going? Oh, not too bad. Uh, house stuff's uh, chaos, but otherwise good. So, <laughs> what about yourself? How's the uh, um, yeah, mid-Kickstarter dispatch? Well, that's the thing. The flat has been pretty chaotic, filled with boxes and packaging and customs forums. Um, but it's pretty much under control at the moment. I've, I've got a couple more trips down to the old uh, post office get the last few books out but other than that got it under control I think. in a perverse way i do quite like the packing things up stage it's the closest i'll get to having like a conveyor belt warehouse feel you feel like your own mini industry <laughs> yeah yeah it, it is quite therapeutic you know sort of um you've got a stack books and you've got your package in and you just go through it one by one and, and it, it feels like you're making progress which is the nice bit because for quite a while while you're waiting for that money to come through and you, you have to sort of pause for a bit um it feels like you're you're waiting to just come on let me get this done so as soon as you can get into that packing and send it out stage 
like oh, i see the light at the end of the tunnel now yeah that's it or if you can get like your missus to do it you can do your jack nicholson joker thing and be like you shipped all those parcels you ship yeah. them all <laughs> yeah, yeah it always helps have a full person yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any opportunity to quote a movie especially a awesome movie speaking of which uh, we're, we're talking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles today. Not are. that one, the 1991. The yeah, the best, well, the best and almost only, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't tend to watch any of the others that much. Although I did like the um, animated one from 2000 and... What was that? Seven. 2007? Yeah, yeah, I did quite like that one. Yeah, I do as well. Um, yeah, we'll come on to sequels and remakes and reboots and whatnot in a bit but so yeah Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles written by Bobby Herbeck and Todd W. Langdon based on characters Langdon sorry based on characters created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird whatever happened to them uh, well do, I think they each rode off into the sunset with a sunset with their massive bags of money <laughs> one with more <laughs> but yeah, again, we'll, we'll, yeah we'll come on to that more, in a bit yeah, probably yeah um Yep, directed by Steve Barron, uh, who was mostly famous for music videos. He did Electric Dreams. That was his only other feature film before and was probably most famous music video-wise for Aha's Take On Me. Yeah. And I think I he might have done so. Billie Jean as well, but I might be wrong. Billie Jean. Yeah. yeah but, um, for me, the, the theme that drew my eye to his work was his stuff he did on the Storyteller. The yes. Series. That was uh, my favourite. Yeah, because that's how he got the job on this, wasn't it? Because he'd worked with Anthony Minghella on that and he put his name forward for it. I think that's sort of what got him the job. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I don't think this the film would have been possible without Steve Barron. He's the linchpin for a lot yeah. of different elements that make it work and that, that just made it what it was, made it successful, really, because obviously there was a lot of other talent around him. But it was him, his vision and his connections that I think made made it possible. Yeah, definitely. Um, starring Judith, I'm going to murder some surnames here, sorry. Judith Hogg, may have got that wrong. Uh, Elias <laughs> Cotis, uh, Josh Pius, Pace. Uh, yeah, I have no idea either. <laughs> I've seen a lot of them written down, but you yeah. don't hear them actually pronounced. Corey Feldman, Kevin Clash, uh, James Saito, and Sam Rockwell as head thug. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is the character who best being remembered for when we look back at his career. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That's the standout performance. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, released in cinemas in the US on the 30th of March 1990. And then we didn't get it till months later on the 23rd of November uh, of the same year grossed uh 201 million well just under 300 uh 202 million sorry uh worldwide on an estimated budget of 3.5 uh, 3.5 million uh, according to imdb uh, it was the most profitable independent movie until the blair witch project in 1999 it's crazy, and, isn't it? it made that much money mad i mean the fact they went into it thinking you know the budget's going to be about $3 million, and then it got pushed up to six million i think in the end it was roughly around like 13 i think yeah. and they were really starting to worry a little bit about all the money they'd spent but then when they saw the reactions to the trailers and 
fact that kids were going mental about the, even the possibility of this movie, they thought, oh, I think we'll be all right. And then ultimately they were. It never underestimate total power. Exactly. Um, yeah, Roger Ebert gave the film two and a half stars out of four, um, saying uh, nowhere near as bad as it might have been and probably the best possible Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, it supplies, in other words, more or less what total fans will expect, which I know he wasn't massively keen on it, but that's not a hugely negative review. No, no, no not at all. I mean, especially as, as a movie, it's not aimed at somebody you know like a, a proper critic of cinema you know it's aimed at fans of the franchise and people who want a fun sort of adventure movie yeah definitely so well i mean sort of jumping all over the place so when did you let's go back to the beginning when did you first discover turtles was it from the cartoon like me or yeah yeah it was from the the animated series like i think everybody in our age sort of group was it was probably that wasn't it much. Yeah, it was when that cartoon came out, and along with that cartoon, they started to bring out the first wave of promotional stuff like um, collector's cards, and then in in a lot of kids' magazines, you'd see the adverts for the toys, and then the um, toy adverts would come on TV and things like that. So the turtles were very much those multicoloured, you know, bandana characters you'd see on the cartoon, and then rumors started to surface that there was a movie of it and you think oh my god this is going to be insane this is going to be crazy and then you see the trailer and all that color from the cartoon isn't there in that trailer but there's the fact that those characters those turtles looked like you know real life versions of the cartoon ones you're like whoa that's insane you know that that actually looks like a, a real living breathing turtles because we didn't have cgi back then so puppets was the best thing you could do um and also we hadn't really seen puppets like that before because normally puppets were you know um controlled just below the camera and there was a certain desk type level like with the muppets where that's the it it was muppets or yoda wasn't it pretty much yeah, yeah, pretty much so. <laughs> but, or you know the rainbow crew but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think, think I've worked with those those sort of uh, <laughs> costumes. Four green zippies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was for me my first thing of the film was when we had the trading cards months before the film came out. So I think somebody at school had started getting those because I was still at primary school when we were collecting the trading cards, and the film didn't come out until I was at senior school. Because I was, it was my last year of primary, first year of senior. So that was, yeah, that was my first sort of experience. And just seeing cards like, you know, Shredder hanging off the roof. And yeah, yeah back when trading cards ruined the entire movie. <laughs> well, I was, I was so hungry for any glimpse of what it would, you know, what the film looked like that I just completely spent all my pocket money i was able to get on those trading cards and um i've actually got them all here in front of me i've still got my collection for when i was a kid of the whole set nice. a bit, I just a bit but um yeah i just i think it was the fact that um i love the idea of unreal things in the real world that look like they belong there you know it's why yeah. i like 
Ray Harryhausen movies because even though we look back at them now and they they look a you can see the a bit rough around the edges but the way those creatures looked physical and like they they looked like they lived in that environment and the characters were interacting with them so when you saw the I saw the cartoon turtles but in the real world I was like that's that's awesome I want any pictures of that I can find so yeah I collected those um those cars like mad because you each one was just a little photo or scene of Looked like a real life Ninja Turtle. It was awesome. I see, because it was the Batman trading cards the summer before that we were all collecting, even though none yeah. of us had seen the film, because none yes. of us are old enough to see the film. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a. I mean, Turtles mania was everywhere. Toys. I was collecting the coins. I had the cards used to get in PG tips. Oh yeah. Which I rebought yeah. off of eBay a couple of years ago, so I've still got kicking around here somewhere now. Because again, a lot I lost a lot of my stuff as you do growing up, and you know, parent divorce and yeah, then subsequent yeah. other parent divorces, stuff gets lost in moves and messy divorces and that sort of thing. So um yeah yeah, every so often I go on eBay and be like, oh I forgot those even exist. I'd love to get the coins again. I had the poster on the wall that you could put the coins in. That was the big picture of the Technodrome. I don't know if you remember oh, yeah. that one. Yeah yeah yeah. So my mum used to take all the turtle stuff out of the whatever newspaper it was she had, and she taped um, the BBC film programme back in the days of Barry Norman. Yeah. Because there was a the document, the little um, news feature thing, they did, a new special report thing they did about the turtles' costumes. Because I don't think he was hot on the film, but he was he was really impressed by the. Um, obviously animatronics of the suit and all that stuff um, yeah. i think at the end of that video he goes uh, i hope it's just all worth it <laughs> but um yeah so my mum taped that for me and that's how i discovered barry norman and the film program and fell right. down that rabbit hole as well yeah, but, yeah. Um, well it's weird really because when you get a film um like, like turtles or or the dark crystal i mean for me it was mainly like um ray harryhausen or jim henson films something that you know isn't real is there moving like it is the first thing you want to know is how the hell did they do that you know it's like a magic trick yeah. so you start to look into the into the way that it's put together you know how does that puppet work and you want to see behind the the wizard's curtain sort of thing yeah definitely i mean that and dick tracy were the two most anticipated films i had in 1990 didn't give a shit about anything else i can't even remember what else came out off the top of my head now but no me neither i i couldn't even i don't even think that tracy was even on my radar it was just for me it was just right i need to see the turtles movie <laughs> no i got i got caught up in the hype for both so i'm such an easy pansy for hype or i used to be but it was just well, both those captured my imagination I, I say think... turtles i was already massively into because of the cartoon and um i was curious about the film because it didn't look like it looked like the cartoon but it didn't look like the cartoon yeah it had a certain certain style and, and the same with dick tracy as well i think when it, when a film has its own style it's very easy it's much easier to get caught up in that hype because you feel yeah. like you're seeing something you haven't seen before that's it. You feel like you're being a lot of films. You look at it, and you're like, well, that's just the world I live in. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. certainly Dick Tracy especially built its own world. It's like, I've never seen anything like that before. And the same with Turtles. It's like, the sewers look really cool. But I bet they smell of shit. So I'm well, not going Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, really, because, like, it is set in the real world. But especially as a kid, America seemed like another planet. And New York itself seemed, uh, you know, a city from another planet yeah. you know, and especially the way that they portrayed it in the movie the sets they built the way they lit it um it just really had a sort of sort of cool atmosphere to it you know like especially with the turtles living underneath the city so you got all these like long sewer shots and the light coming down from the manhole above and and uh yeah it's just like really really cool stuff yeah, it's, uh, I mean, were you the same as me as a kid that the first time we watched it, like, that was awesome, but where was Krang? Where was Bebop? Where was Rocksteady? Where was the Technodrome? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, when I when they said they were making a movie of it, me and my mates, I can remember, we were thinking, oh, it's going to be a, amazing to see the Technodrome and what will Krang look like and all that sort of stuff. And, and when I first saw it, I thought, oh, this isn't the cartoon, but I... I like what it is you know I like the fact that it was more um fighting ninjas and because the cartoon didn't really have any fighting in so when I saw the film and I thought oh this is a film it looks a bit darker it looks a bit more grown up and in the trailer you see them fighting ninjas in the streets with their weapons it's like yeah. cool this is the stuff that we're not allowed to see in the cartoon but you're allowed to see it in the movie uh, I, I sort of thought it worked that way you know I thought like that it it was the you know all the sort of violent stuff you were allowed to do in the movies but you couldn't do in cartoons which kind of is true but i, I saw it a bit more black and white <laughs> yeah yeah it's a, i mean it took things from the cartoon so like april's a reporter instead of a lab assistant which where do you prefer which april do you prefer the lab assistant april or the tv reporter um i think I can see the, from a storytelling point of view, I can see the benefits of the TV reporter idea because in the comics, once you'd got past um, April, once you're introduced to April and she's got past the, the threat of her boss being Baxter Stockman yeah. and the idea of the Mausers and things like that. I mean, by issue, you know, four or five or whatever, the idea of her working um, as a lab reporter, so, so then the, of the turtles. Whereas with the idea of the news reporter, there's always a reason for her to be getting involved in the problems. It's that like um, Peter Parker thing, you know, he's yes. never that far away from the problem because he's reporting on it. So I can see the the benefits of of. Um, I think I I think I quite like the idea of of. Um, her being the reporter actually it's one of the very few things that i think is a better version you know like the cartoon favorite over the original just simply from what you can do with that character if it has that role yeah no i'm the same it's um again i think it's because that's what i experienced first kind of thing so and like you say once she's not once the backs of stockman bit's done she doesn't really hold there's not much i mean they have done more with the character obviously i'm not saying she's a no, nothing character no, no. but sort of i mean she's, the lab assistant she's thing she's ends, an awesome it? character 
She's an awesome character in the Mirage series because she is their link to the human world. Yeah. And she is, like, especially as you go through the whole Mirage run and then you go up into the, the TMNT series that Peter Laird carried on doing in, in the 2000s, you, you go through April's relationship with Casey and her trying to move on as a human being. And she's able to move on and sort of progress whereas the turtles kind of aren't they're, they're sort of stuck being what they are so it's it's always this constant reminder or measuring stick um the problems that the turtles have related to human characters if you know I, yeah i mean the other big change for me from the cartoon was that splinter was always a rat yeah yeah, I think that I still laugh about that with my mate, the, the little puppet of him practicing his yeah. martial arts. That always <laughs> used to be in a friend who I used to work with uh, every so often. I just look over at him and go, mimicking my master's moves from my cage, and then he'd start doing that exactly. awkward rat karate. <laughs> For 15 years now, we have lived here. Before that time, I was a pet of my master Yoshi. Mimicking his movements from my cage and learning the secret art of ninja. When we were forced to come to New York, I found myself for the first time without a home, wandering the sewers, scavenging for whatever I could find. And then one day I came upon a shattered glass jar and four baby turtles. That was us. <laughs> Shut oh, up. no. The little ones were crawling into a strange glowing ooze from a broken canister nearby. I gathered them up in an old coffee can. And when I awoke the next morning, I received a shock, for they had doubled in size. I, too, was growing particularly in intellect, and I was amazed at how intelligent they seemed. But nothing could have prepared me for what happened next. One of them spoke. Pizza! Pizza! More words followed, and I began their training, teaching them all that I had learned from my master. Radical! 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 And soon, I gave them all names. Leonardo, Michelangelo, it's me, Donatello, <laughs> and Raphael. Yeah, the little leg lifting up. <laughs> Love that. <It's> so funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm really torn as to which origin I like best out of those. I love the just the the craziness of the rat copying kung fu, but also quite like the idea of him coming over as a uh, sort of ninja master and getting mutated himself so the thing that always got me with the cartoon though was he said that it was the last thing he touched but the last thing he touched was the turtles because he tries to clean them off so technically yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> i guess the mutagen had already started working before he picked them up so <laughs> yeah yeah that's right <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah so the film sort of it opens with the crime wave that is high with Muggins Mysterious. Exactly. To quote the song. 
So the, the song that I love apart from it has Raphael as the leader and he's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everybody was like, what? Hang on. What? It, it just, it works with the rhythm of the song. Let it go. But <laughs> it may do yeah, it. It's factually incorrect. <laughs> it is. Him. We've been watching old Top of the Pops as they repeat them on. Yeah. Get into my period of Top of the Pops. Yeah, yeah, we did the same. We've been watching it and um, I, I catch it when it's on, but it, it was probably a couple of months back and I saw in the listing and it said um, November 1990 and I was like oh I'm putting that on record because I know that the Turtles that um, single was released roughly around then that's it I was like I'm definitely watching the Christmas Day one because I remember watching that at the time to watch the um, because I knew the um, Turtle Power would be on it yeah well it was like the only way that you could really see more clips well, it was. Movie, that's what music they? videos were before they're redundant now that you've got the internet it's like at yeah. the moment they're on the it's the brian adams 16 week at number one and like, right. this is weird because they're showing all clips from the final fight between robin and the sheriff of nottingham like they're ruining the entire end of this film <laughs> <laughs> it's like fortunately it's like oh, 30 years old now but <laughs> yeah well but i remember at the time what Top because I wasn't really that avid a watcher of Top of the Pops, but when I wasn't because it was always shit. So. Yeah, exactly. So when the Turtles um, track came out, I was like, right, I'll watch it now. But also, I remember on Blue Peter, they did a exclusive, like four-minute scene from the, which was it really bizarre because they didn't normally do that kind of thing. Um, but it was the bit where uh, they're in the junk shop wondering where Raph is and he gets thrown down through the roof and then it all kicks off yeah and um it was that was just so bizarre back then to be able to see a bit of a movie that you knew was going to be in the cinema but on on your little tv now with the internet you know trailers are usually like 10 minutes long and even the teaser trailers are usually about five minutes long and show you half the movie well, yeah, it's like the new Spider-Man teaser trailer. You're like, yes, yeah. a teaser, really? Because I feel like I've seen a lot of the film from this. Yeah. It's like, I know it's Marvel and they do a misdirect a lot, but... Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I've, yeah. I've got all the beats, I think. But, but yeah, it's... I love the trailer for the film. It's a great trailer. It's got that great piece of music in it as well. Um, yeah. But, um, which I had to buy the CD so I could get that. Yeah, I can't remember music. the guy's name, now. Music fantastic for this film. It, it's um, it's a great. I mean, it's not the most. Vinyl. The Waxworks did a release of it, so I've got that and Turtles Two. The scores on vinyl. Oh, you got the actual score, did you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I got the soundtracks cool. and CDs, and then that was the main reason I wanted a record. I wasn't. I'm not a hipster douchebag, so I didn't really give a shit about things being on vinyl. <laughs> But then they started releasing all these scores on vinyl and it's like you could only get them on vinyl. It's like, for fuck's sake. No, I saw when the second one came up for sale, I saw that as a vinyl. I thought, oh, that's interesting. I didn't realise they'd done the first one as a vinyl. I yeah. bet that's pretty hard to get hold of. They, yeah, the, the Waxwork ones have both got Kevin Eastman art on them. Oh, that's cool. That was the big selling point for it as well as one in the soundtrack. But yeah. But yeah, so yeah, like I said, I rewatched the film the other day. Um, so I started taking notes. Things like, does Danny have more than one shirt? Because he seems to wear that no. Sid shirt a lot. And then he does get another well, one later on, but it is another Sid Vicious one. <laughs> well, I think originally, um, 
they plan to have a lot more punk on the soundtrack actually have like sort of sex pistols and things as the soundtrack to the movie so it, was, it felt a bit more edgy i know that's what uh kevin eastman has said he would have would have liked and i think um steve barron said he wanted to try and incorporate some of that but ultimately when it came to off, didn't it? all that yeah. style of hip-hop yeah and also when it came to laying down the actual music over the film i think steve barron had, had moved away from the project by then yeah i got the idea i think i think the hip-hoppy soundtrack works better for the film i, I think do, the punk well. stuff would have been great but i don't think it would have been right for yeah 90s teenage. I, as well. I agree because i don't think that the punk attitude really fits with the turtles no. whereas, whereas the the sort of like uh, spin that wheel kind of um hip-hoppy or um like upbeat stuff i think it fits more with them as characters and and uh yeah definitely fits a bit better yeah definitely the humor in this film is spot on as well i was watching it yes again yesterday and i still fucking crack on i love stuff like um you know oh, a fellow chucker eh do you know what this is gonna, gonna differ here that is the one scene I don't like from the movie. If, it, it goes on a bit too long, the, but I just love the delivery of the fellow Chucker thing. Yeah, yeah, I like the line, like the way he delivers it, but it goes on too long. Do yeah, you remember the original British, the original cinematic British cut is still my favourite version. You, you can't get it anymore unless you find an old VHS and you're able to transfer it over to DVD. That cut is is dying out, but in that cut. They about uh, four five gags, and they cut out the nunchuck scene. And um, the original British version, I think, is slightly dimmer on the colours, slightly darker on the shadows and things. And it just makes for a better flowing and a more um, sort of serious film because you don't get those those gags, the longer gags, in there. Yeah. Um, so that is my favourite cut of it. But saying that, I watched the the uncut one, and I'm, you know, now I'm like, yeah, that's okay. But it would flow so much better without some of those gags. Yeah, I can see that. Like I said, it's more the delivery. It's like I love the whole fight, fight, kitchen, kitchen exchange between Mikey and Donnie yes, as well. Definitely. And all those little bits. I, I but love yeah, those. I love. They the cut little, all the nunchuck scenes, didn't they? They did. They, they yeah. Just to the point where in the second one it cracks me up because they're like uh we can't have them using their weapons so they'll just have to use everyday things it's like so weapons that kids can't get their hands on we can't see them fighting with but we can see them fighting with everyday stuff that they can easily pick up themselves and beat their brother with yeah also they cut casey out of that film because they didn't like the idea that he was a character who picked up everyday things like cricket bats and used them as weapons i love casey jones in that film Oh, Colin. I love the design of him in the cartoon, but I didn't like the whole faux Clint Eastwood approach. Well, I didn't mind it I as a kid mean, at the time, but as I've grown to love the character Casey Jones, that's so not Casey Jones. That, that Casey in the first movie, that's the only Casey you'll ever need, if you ask me. He's absolutely perfect. So I've got it written down three times. Elias Cotis is great as Casey Jones. Then I've yeah. got her. I'll say it again. Elias Cotis is great as Casey Jones. <laughs> and I've got one final time. Elias Cotis is great as Casey Jones. Yeah, he's fab. I mean, going back to the, the humor thing, the little quips between them, like the fight 
fight kitchen kitchen that those work really well because they're just little bits and it's between them as brothers it gives you that proper idea that they've lived together for a long time they know each other and things like that and and they they help move the scene along the bits that were cut out in the original british cut i think that's much better for it are the chucker scene which you've just had raft thrown through the ceiling all the ninjas pile in and they all pull their weapons and there's this moment of it's gonna kick off and then the music kicks in and as that music kicks in it's like yeah go into a battle but then you get that chucker scene and bring everything to a halt it yeah. stops that momentum and if that's not there in the original cut they all um smash through and mikey says um oh and i thought insurance salesmen were pushy yeah. and you get the look from from the guy and then they just and tatsu says attack and then the music starts and they fight and it just flows so much better and then there's a, another gag later on where um they go back to the sewer and uh, Pete, uh danny says or because Mikey says, I'm hungry, is there any food? Danny says, oh, I think I had some stale pizza here somewhere. And they rush off and find it. Donnie oh, do you finds like it penicillin on your pizza? Says, do you like penicillin on your pizza? And it cuts there with Mikey going, oh. But in the longer cut, they Mikey then does, like, salutes it. They do a Viking funeral, funeral thing, thing. <laughs> Viking funeral thing. Which, yeah, it, it's funny, but it, it just draws it out a bit too long, I think. But it's just because I'm used to the you know the the way it tripped along much quicker beforehand see for me i watched that a couple of times as a kid but i always preferred two i think because two felt close to the cartoon yeah and then it wasn't till years later that I, a friend and i were talking about the turtles movies and he was like you should go back and watch it it's actually really good because like most people or you know most comic book fans you sort of reach a certain age where it's not so much you grow out of it but so things like Turtles, I didn't really associate with comics. In fact, for years yeah. after, I didn't even realise it was a comic. I sort of, I'd seen the stuff come up, but it had, I had never put the two things together. I remember. Kind of thing in a weird way. He... I read like the UK reprints of the Archie comics and that, but just because they were in the style of the animated series. Yeah. Just assumed that that was it kind yeah. of thing. So I was like, that is childish things now. I should put that away and read Superman comics instead. There was some magazine i think it was called like cine fantastic or something like that and um uh i saw it in the news agents and on the front it had a picture of mikey from the movie and when i was flicking inside and looking through it um it had lots of black and white art and and shots of um the comic book and things like um relating shots from the movie to the comic book and i was like well hang on there's there's another sort of turtles comic to the colorful archie one yeah so that that sort of you know drew my attention to that and then i was in waterstones and they had a a graphic novel of turtles and i thought well that's not the colorful turtles from the tv that's something else and flicking through it's like ah this is it this is the original the source material that they've taken for the movie yeah because i remember you used to get like uh, i hesitate to call it unlicensed turtles stuff but you know the stuff you get down the market that seemed to use yeah the and layered it's, artwork yeah more. so you'd be like somebody can't draw the turtles right because again as a kid <laughs> yeah. you're like this is what they look like so they've all got the same well, color mask they're remember, all Raphael. what the fuck's going on <laughs> i remember seeing the side of the arcade machine which was 
it's got April O'Neil in the yellow jacket. I was like, okay, that, that's April based on the cartoon. But the turtles themselves, they look much more like mean and like little sort of short alien creatures. It's like, okay, the, the guy didn't quite get the turtles right there. But obviously yeah. now looking back, it's like, well, it was based on the Mirage stuff and they've just coloured the headbands and things. That's it. It's, um... So, um, yeah. But yeah, so going... I bought the DVD again as an adult, so I couldn't really remember what was and wasn't in the original cut. Right. So that's the version I've got used yeah. to. So well, I, the, I watched the, the humour uh, stuff doesn't bother the old, me. The old British cut I watched, I've seen hundreds of times. So when there was the extra bits in it, I was like, oh, this is cool because I haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, it sort of moved a bit, tripped, tripped a bit along a bit quicker and also it had a more older atmosphere to it because a lot yeah. of the time those gags are put in to break the tension he knew he was going for a darker um version darker film and when they were making it a lot of the execs were saying this is too dark kids aren't going to accept this and so i think he was trying to put in as much humor as he could to to break that up and you know make it a more fun movie and it and it is fun it is good it is. I mean, the second one, and particularly the third one, go too far the other way, I think. But like I say, we'll come on to those yeah. in a bit. Um, oh, I wish they, there's a scene I wish they'd kept in, that they cut out. And it's when Shredder first appears, and you get that cool bit of the score for him with the like, do-do-do sort of noise. Yeah. Um, he comes in, and he has his cloak taken off. Now, at that point, they roll out a red carpet and it looks like it's just, you know, he's the leader walking on a red carpet. But they're actually rolling out a red mat and he comes in and he sits down cross-legged and then they call for four foot soldiers to come and they're sort of training. And even though he's sort of sat down, he's sort of... I remember that. Disarms them. Yeah. It just shows what a badass he is. And they, they cut it out of of any of the cuts eventually. And I think it's still on YouTube. You can find it as without any soundtrack because it's just like the base filming. But as a little scene, and it's filmed from above. So he's sort of sat on this red mat with a spotlight. And you've just got these characters coming in left and right trying to take him on. And it just really shows like Shredder is something not to mess with. Yeah. Yeah, Shredder looks awesome. I mean, all the turtle suits look awesome, but Shredder looks awesome in that film. Yeah, definitely. I really love the look they've gone for it with for him. Um, proper, proper based on the the Shredder from the first 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 sort of you know I, I, what I call like your first main story run, yeah. which is from issue one to about issue twelve. Um, but yeah, it looks spot on. Yeah, yeah. He looks fucking it. And the guy who plays him, um, um, fucking James, uh, James Sato. Yeah. He looks ace as it. I know he doesn't do the voice, which is strange because he's done plenty of other English language films. And they didn't get Uncle it, Phil from it, Fresh Prince of Bel Air mm. to voice him either, which <laughs> seemed like a missed opportunity. Well, I think with a character like that, where all you can pretty much see of him is the eyes. Yeah, yeah. It's just all in the eyes and the expression, isn't it? That sort of cold, hard stare peeking out from that metal mask. Yeah. Although I suppose seeing him in other things, he doesn't really have a shred of voice. I mean, he could possibly do a shred of voice, but 
so I can sort of understand it. Yeah, um, well, we, we were used to it. We grew up on Darth Vader, so... Yeah, that's it. Well, yeah, as a kid, I didn't even know it wasn't him talking. I didn't even know it wasn't um, the actor playing... Uh, what's the head of the Foot Clan's name? Or, you know, the the one below Shredder. Tatsu. Tatsu. I didn't yeah. realise it wasn't his. <laughs> it's even worse that he's dubbed by a white guy. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I didn't even know that. I didn't know it wasn't his... Uh voice yeah no, I, well i do know well. pretty much all of the voices apart from um raphael like casey and april had yeah they had to be dubbed on after because obviously you know like to get it in sync with the the puppets and everything so, you know yeah because raphael's the only one that the guy in the suit also does the voice that's right and yeah. he's also the guy in the taxi cab that raphael rose across the bonnet yeah yeah I, I only found that out recently that all the stunt actors got little parts so you you got raf in the back of the taxi leo and don were like um sort of foot members and michael is the pizza delivery guy yeah that's, yeah so it's weird because he's taking a pizza from himself <laughs> yeah yeah he's delivering a pizza to himself <laughs> i do love that just his delivery of the line of I've got to get another route, it's spot on. As somebody who's had hassle finding places to deliver parcels to. Oh, God. Yeah, I wholeheartedly I related to that. Whole, I just got to get another route. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? Hi. Nice night. Mm-hmm. Pizza dude's got 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mikey, did you ever think about what Splinter said tonight? I mean, about what it would be like. You know, not having him. Hmm. Time's up. Three bucks off. One twenty-two, one twenty-two and an eight. One twenty-two and an eight. Terrific. Where the heck is one twenty-two and an eight? You're standing on it, dude. Just slip it down here. Give me that. Hey, this is a ten. The tab's 13. You're two minutes late, dude. Ah, come on. I couldn't find a place. Wise man say, forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza. I gotta get a new route. And I thought I delivered everywhere. But yeah, and I mean, it's given that they're in those suits, it's impressive how those actors move. Oh, the, uh, really Although the impressive. fight's cut, so it's quite short things, so, you know... It's possibly not as impressive as it does. I'm not taking anything away from it, but it's edited in a way that it's no, it's not any long shots. It's like the um, Raphite on the roof is ace, but it's really short. Yeah, that Raphite on the roof um, was a, a lighter costume, so the guy in it yeah. could actually move around as, you know, not much better than yeah, in the Yeah, it's mostly long shots, scenes, isn't it, but, when he's moving, so. But in the... Um, I love when Casey in the dialogue scenes, Raphite as well. So what have you done to my little green pad? Yeah. Yeah. Like, really, you beat the shit out of him last time. <laughs> That's how he makes friends. 
<laughs> yeah, I'll the, say it the again, scenes with the, the dialogue. And, yeah, 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 it was spot on. So good. But those guys were carrying around like 60 pound turtle suits for the dialogue yeah. scenes and, you know, the close up scenes. And they had all of the mechanics and the servers and everything in the shells because it was it was like really early computer controlled animatronics where a lot of it was done with radio control. Um, so sometimes when you had a close up uh, shot um, from the waist up, they were able to wire them in to get a better bit of um, communication between the main server and the, the face. Yeah. But all that stuff those guys are carrying around and all of the little sort of mechanics and the servers is in the head as well right in front of the actor's face so it's all hot in there and worrying and, and <laughs> you're sweating on electricity like, that's never a good mix yeah exactly yeah so to do what they did you know under those sort of pressures in those sort of suits they did an amazing job that's it i've got no time for people that are like oh look you can see the actor's face in the mouth it's like fuck off <laughs> Yeah, you you can. Like, uh, we've one, seen what they do for the alternative point. when they CGI it, and that's fucking yeah. awful. I'll take occasionally spotting a guy's face in a mouth. I didn't know it was that until you know the internet and YouTube when there's all these videos saying, you know, look at this fail or this blooper or whatever. Oh, it's I like those picky fuckers that are like, look at Gladiator, you can see that guy's digital watch. It's like if that's all you're taking away from the yeah. film, just fuck off. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't notice that at all it's so quick when he flips his mouth open when donnie's laughing yeah that um i i i never took the time to pause it to look inside to see what his tonsils look like well, didn't it. bother let's, me let's face it in the days of vhs you're lucky if you got a clear enough shot anyway <laughs> yeah that's right that's why i like old fuzzy vhs i like watching movies like that i'm not bothered with hd i quite like the grain and you know i, I like it to have a bit of um old school video fuzz that's it. There's a, there's a charm to it, isn't it? So, but um, yeah. So I mean, after the you get all the city stuff because they seem to take sort of three, at least three things from the comics, don't they? So sort of the turtles' origins. Um, they do the stuff where they go out of the city to the farmhouse. Yeah, which I think is my favourite bit of the film. Yeah, I absolutely love yeah. like the stuff between. Johnny and Casey, where they're insulting each other in alphabetical order. <laughs> or they're fixing yeah. car. I love the Leo keeping a vigil over Raph. Yeah. And when Raph wakes up and the way the the two of them bond and you really get the feeling that they're brothers kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I love the training stuff. I love the bonding. I love the stuff between April and Casey as well. And I love the visuals of the splinter campfire. Yeah. That looks right out of the comics. Yeah. Well, all of that stuff is is right out of the car uh, when they um had to retreat up to northampton in the farmhouse the series of i think it might be like uh, three issues around there before the return to new york yeah uh, part of the story of the art kicks off there's so much of them having to heal and talk to each other about what they're going to do and who they are trying to work out who they are and just finding themselves and it's just a really cool time to to explore that sort of stuff and i think that um they really wanted to get that in the movie and, and they did it did it really well even though it's a very condensed version because in the comics you know they're, they're up there for for months and you get quite a few adventures of them up at the farmhouse they really, 
really sort of captured that feeling in the movie. Yeah, I could watch the whole movie with them just doing that. But I'm weird like that. It's like I'd quite happily watch an Avengers movie where they all sit around talking about the shit that went on in movies the others weren't in. <laughs> it's like just because I love seeing how characters like that sort of interact. Yeah. So I'm not saying yeah. it'd be an ultimate, maybe a Disney Plus thing rather than a... <laughs> well, that was the um, cool thing um, with when they did Tales of the TMNT and the, the later uh, issues of Ninja Turtles is they were able to just sort of go off the the normal story arc and do these side stories and explore the characters a lot more yeah. and use new artists and just experiment with it really it's uh it's yeah like i say it's just it's played perfectly and then they go back to the city and fucking danny Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a shame it's with not, danny that not... they didn't carry it on into the sequel as annoying as the character is, there was he could have had quite an interesting arc. Well, the thing with the movies, the way I see those movies, the first one, first film, is drawing all it can from the Mirage. The first run, one to twelve, soaking up all the atmosphere from that. The second movie is looking at the Archie comics, yeah. the colour in that film, the humour in that film, and then the bad guys in that film. Archie Comics came up with their own run of bad guys, usually because they wanted to sell them as toys and ideas that could then be made into toys, put on the shelf in Toys R Us. And it's got that feel to it. And then after the Archie Comics, well, or sort of roughly at the same time, but parallel, you've got the Mirage Comics who are carrying on after issue 12 when Eastman and Laird are too busy to draw it themselves. And they start to let other artists and writers do these side stories that I mentioned a second ago where they can explore different ideas and things and in that series you had the turtles um you know traveling in time you, you had them um you know like uh, fighting space robots and all sorts because lots of different writers had lots of different ideas so I think movie three is them taking it's pretty much them taking issues 46 and 47 of the later mirage run where the turtles do get transported back to samurai times and they end up fighting this big like dinosaur samurai. Well, obviously they didn't have the budget to do the dinosaur yeah. samurai, so they've changed that. But it's kind of like the for me, each of the movies represents a different era of the, the turtle in comic books. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose the nineties uh, Batman films are a bit like that as well. Um but yeah, I mean, like I say, we'll come to the sequels in a minute, but sort of, I mean, it's massively impressive what they did with this film with very little. I know 13 million was a lot then, but in terms of making a movie like that, it's peanuts compared to the budgets that things like Batman and oh, Dick Tracy. Yeah, and definitely, definitely. Because yeah, I know one yeah, of the I ideas mean, was to do a Roger Rabbit type thing, wasn't it? Where it was live action mixed with cartoon, but they quickly nixed that idea. Or at least one of the things I read was that, whether that was actually, whether that's just internet scuttlebutt or which. Yeah, I think it might have been an early idea. I, I have no idea what, what would have come out if they'd done that. I yeah, think I don't think they ever got that. far into developing it. No. I think, no, I think, like I said, said earlier that, the movie kind of got made based off of Steve Barron being in the 
interested in it and also in the mindset of having just come off storyteller where they'd trialed and, and used this new technology for the the dog in storyteller yeah and then someone comes to him with a turtles idea and he's in that mindset of the the strange and the different and and having these creatures um that can interact with human characters for him to be able to sort of have the the vision know that what the technology could be used and then for eastman and laird to say let's let's do this with golden harvest because fights have got to look good there's no yeah. point having ninja turtles if they're not doing decent fighting on screen so you know those those elements are pretty much what made it succeed i think yeah definitely um, and just the casting was spot on as well yeah i think um i yeah, love definitely um judith hogg as april o'neill i love her reaction when she sees splinter and then sees the turtles yeah They jumped me, and and that rat. I saw you in the parking lot. That explains you. And you guys, um, hmm? I have no idea where you came from. If you will please just sit down and calm yourself, I will tell you where we came from. He talks. It is really quite simple, Miss O'Neill. And he knows my name. Perfect. Fifteen years ago. Why don't I ever dream of Harrison Ford? <sighs> I mean, it's played slightly yeah, I, over the top, but it's perfect for the film. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, it's another one of those moments where you've had, just had a pretty tense dust up in the on the train platform, subway platform, and uh, Raph going mental and and kicking butt and all that, and then. He runs off down the um, down the the tunnels, and he's in silhouette, and it's all quite shadowy and dark. Tense. And then when she wakes up, and it gets sort of more comical music coming into it. It's another moment where you a nice sort of interjection of lightness. Yeah. Of that balance between the two. And and, and she's perfect because one of the main things, although in the new Michael Bay one, the turtles look wrong the um the sort of the pacing of the, everything about the film's wrong but the main thing i think makes me slap my head is just the megan fox approach to april o'neill because in that original movie she's just a, a really interesting charismatic um you know like natural looking attractive lady who's yeah. able to be a decent character who's got a purpose of being there and just like the megan fox approach no offense to um megan fox it's just the way that bay uses her is you know paint her face and put her in this and just have her stood in the scene you know april o'neill was a a lot more than that yeah i mean i've got issues with that i really do not like that michael i actually enjoyed the sequel i took my eldest to see it at the cinema and it was actually sort of heading in the right direction it's just a shame that it came off the back of the first one so that they didn't, weren't, didn't take it any further 
Yeah, yeah, it was it was received better by fans, but didn't do as financially, did it? Like I say, I think because it came off the back of the first one. Yeah, and it's just the turtles don't look right in that. The characterization of Michelangelo is borderline racist. (laughs) Yeah, it's the uh, what the gears and mud flaps or whatever it is from Transformers Two problem, isn't it? It totally is, definitely. I mean, I don't look at those characters and they don't represent the turtles to me in any form. They just they look like like the Hulk brothers who happen to have big shell backpacks. Um, This has always been my thing. Like with a big chunky beefed up batman it's like the dude's a fucking ninja yeah it's like they shouldn't be big and bulky you should believe that they can you know move appear and disappear at will kind of thing yeah yeah you you couldn't imagine to be able to move you couldn't imagine them hiding around april's apartment no definitely Uh, and when in the summer assaults over april's head and lands on the edge of the building and it crunches the brickwork and makes it all crack. It's like, well, then that that's not a ninja. What good is it if, if you weigh about 25 stone and every move you make makes the floor underneath you crack? You know, that's that's not what they're about at all. Yeah, but no, saying that, with that, with that second movie, I thought Baxter was great. I thought yeah. that um, although it was all done in a overblown Michael Bay sort of way. I thought Krang was good. I thought Rocksteady and Bebop were were really good visually. Um the dialogue in the film was was terrible, but then that's you know that's the Michael Bay stank. And um it was all a bit hyperactive. But I thought it was a if you had good CGI representations of the turtles from the cartoon and you put them in with everything else, I think you'd have a pretty good um movie version of the cartoon yeah i think they got casey jones wrong as well as much as i like Stephen hamill and thought yeah. he was good in the part he wasn't right as casey jones no no, no. But casey jones shouldn't no, be a cop that's not who casey jones is no no it's, and again it's, i get doing your own thing with it but it's just fundamentally the characters like you know he's a vigilante he's an out he's a re, he's a rebel he's a well, you know, yeah. a borderline psychopath. <laughs> well, Possibly I, no borderline like about it. Well, I like the fact that he's somebody for Raph to clunk heads with and hang yeah. around with. Because, you know, like Mikey, a lot of the time, was goofing about with Donatello. Raphael, you know, he he needs some someone to understand him. And it's another lunkhead like, uh, like Casey Jones. Um, so it just just makes sense for him to be out there as, as the vigilante doing what Raph would do and initially they would bump heads but then they'd realize actually there's a lot more there in common I just don't think it works so much if he's a cop I love their first meeting in this film where they fight in the park which again is straight out of yeah. the Raphael one shot from the Mirage series almost like shot for shot sort of thing and let's not forget my personal favorite Two minutes for high stick. How about a five-minute game misconduct for roughing, pal? Hey, bogey. Now, who died and made you referee? You did your job. Now, get out of here and let me do mine. These JV lowlifes need to be taught a lesson. Not like that, they don't. Not from you. 
Well, it looks like you're the one who needs to be taught a lesson, pal. Class is paying 101. Your instructor's Casey Jones. Look, I don't want to fight you. Well, tough rocks, pal. A Jose Canseco bat? Tell me, you didn't pay money for this. Ooh, that's Stupid one sale, pal. Hey, what are you, some sort of punker? Huh? God, I hate punkers. Especially bald ones with green makeup. We wear masks over ugly faces. No better! Strike one! understands cricket. You gotta know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. I'll teach you. Six months. Slow, freak. I got work to do. Freak! Freak! What the heck was that? Looked like sort of a big turtle in a trench coat. You're going to look out of here, right? Come back here! I'm not finished with you! For years, whenever we did cricket at school, I do the you've got to know what a crumpet is to understand the rules of cricket. Yeah, cricket. No one understands cricket. <laughs> did you get the, um, did you get the uh, comic adaption? Of the Turtles movie? I didn't know. I had it in my Amazon basket for ages because they re-released it not long ago. And I never pulled the trigger and now it's ridiculously expensive. Uh, I remember picking that up along with it, the um, cards. I got the the movie adaption. Because I love movie adaption comics when I was a kid. I do. The, um... I just I don't think I ever saw it in the newsagent. Because again, it was if they didn't have it in the local Merits or supermarket, I just didn't get it. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, they they did it. Um, I think Panini did a UK version of it. So the front cover looked like like the sort of puffy hero turtles, but then when yeah. you opened it up, it's actually done by Eastman and Lay. And it's like, whoa, this is, this is like the stuff I saw in the other comics. And yeah, it's a really good adaption. There are some little scenes in there that didn't make it into the actual movie. So um, like. Like at the start, when April's walking towards her van and she gets mugged, they were they were planning to have the shells sort of bob up on the water next to her, just to oh, sort right. of introduce the idea that turtles were around. But it's just another part that they didn't have um, time or budget to put in. But there's a few little scenes in the comic adaption that show you what extra bits they might have added if they'd had time. Yeah, I'm hoping IDW re-release it again in the like new edition format but so far they don't seem to have which is really annoying i wish they'd just release things and keep them out oh i expect they will eventually they know there's money to be made and re-releasing all this stuff yeah but there'll be a 35th anniversary in a couple of years so yeah just to make you feel even older (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, it's crazy. It is, it's fucking mental. But that's the thing we're doing these series of podcasts. Like, I remember when these films came out, and that was like, well, the last one was The Phantom, and that was 96, so that's 25 years ago. It's yeah, like, fuck, I'm old. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Time but, flies by. <laughs> so we, we sort of touched on the Bay ones, but sort of let's talk about the sequels. Um, again, like I said, we've sort of touched on them as well. So you had Turtles 2, which was very lighter. They, they almost feel like the three films are made by different creative teams. I think they they kind of were, I think. Yeah. As in, you know, you don't have Steve Barron for the second one, so you don't have the... Um, I mean, you've got almost like completely different colour palette going from the first one to the second one. All of a sudden, when you see the second one, someone's turned all the lights on. Um, the turtles themselves look much greener because they're not shot like in shadow. And they haven't got all that like cool lighting to it. It's more, it's more like TV and TV lighting for that second yeah. one. And then when you get to the third one, where you've got a different production team doing the actual puppets and the uh, um animatronics and things really cheap definite ju- yeah they, they look yeah, a bit power ranger yeah very much so <laughs> um, well yeah i mean you can see budget fell considerably <laughs> by that one and then obviously it was followed by the next mutation tv series which i don't know if you've ever tried to watch it I did. I remember when it came out because I was a big fan of um, Saban and Power Rangers and all that sort of stuff. So when they said they were doing a turtle series, I thought actually this could be cool because the martial arts Power Rangers is really, really good. Um, and if they can incorporate that into a turtles series, then that will be really good too. But unfortunately, it was all sort of wacky, cheesy American uh, inject scenes into the original dinos or your rangers uh footage yeah. that they got from japan that they made power rangers from so it was it was the naf side of power rangers that they they uh used to to make the new turtle series and yeah because yeah, i bought it the, on dvd were too released it just because you know completest yeah and i did a thing for starburst so i had to watch it was about like the history of turtles in tv so um, for that article, I needed to at least watch a couple of episodes of each iteration. Right. And it, it was all right. They had ideas. I mean, the Venus de Milo thing, I don't hate it, but it wasn't done well. I think they've done it better recently in the comics with the um, Janica character. I I think they've done a good job, but I'm against the idea of bringing any more turtles in in, in any form. I like yeah. the idea of it just being the four of them and that's it. They were an accident. That's all you're going to get. And that's part of what what weighs on them is that they are the last of their kind, the only of their kind. So, you know, they they don't have the same future as everybody else. Venus was in the bowl with them, wasn't she? And then got separated before mutating or something like that. Oh, right. Remember the TV series. Is that that the story? That's the story with that. But it was brought in because they thought it was creepy. The turtles having, you know lust for april right. and want of a better term right. or desire it's her. not creepy though it's not creepy that there being four boys and only one girl and you know technically is arguably their sister yeah, yeah. <laughs> given that they're brothers but well i mean the the suits themselves at that point were creepy enough to 
to keep yeah, it away. There's something but, wrong about boobs on her. Very much so. Definitely. It's a bit like the Howard the Duck, topless duck, and she's got boobs. <laughs> it's like. Well, that was the that was the weird thing about comic book movies at that point. You know, the late '80s, you'd had so many flops like Howard the Duck and Master of the Universe and things like that. If it wasn't for Batman coming along and and being like, no, actually, they can be good. Yeah. Um, Things of things like Dick Tracy and Turtles wouldn't well, had a chance, and also if it wasn't for the fact that Tim Burton did Batman Nice and Dark with all the shadows and things, so Steve Barron was able to see that and think when he looked at the Turtles comics, he was like, oh, we could do this, and we could take from that, and we could use the Henson stuff and all these elements around at that time. This could work if we can just get the people to invest in it. Yeah. I mean, that's it, because the film's not overly... It's appealing to the comic, the cartoon crowd, but at the same time, it's not doing the cartoon. Like I say, apart from elements that they've taken from it, obviously. I think it's more doing the original Mirage comics, but taking some elements from the cartoon so that kids that have bought their toys, you know, recognise the main characters on the screen. Yeah, it's... um... A weird thing for marketing, I suppose. It's like, it, it is, but it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah I mean, you that, couldn't do the well, cartoon it, anyway. It in, I mean. Well, the film started to go into production and was being planned at the same time as all the cartoon and all of the stuff was being licensed for a different audience. So, yeah. you know, all of the the six-issue Fred Wolf cartoon and the toys with Playmates and all of that, that was all in production at the same time as they were making this movie based on the original comic. So it it all just kind of naturally progressed at the same sort of rate. And they were very, it was such a huge hit with the cartoon and everything that when the movie did eventually come, it could just, you know, break in all that money off of the, Turtle Mania. That's it. I think 1990 was peak Turtle Mania. I think it's started to peter out after that. It did. I mean, they rushed Turtles 2 into production because that was, what, a year later? That was 91, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And then 3, I vaguely remember 3 coming out, but there was no hype for it at all. No. Very much sort of came and went. Like I say, I would largely move beyond being a Turtles fan by that point. Well, you've got to think like that was what like 93 so there was so much um i mean Jurassic Park was on its way out so you know something like Turtles 3 is just going to go by completely unnoticed and also like you say they didn't really push it that well the first poster they had out for it was just the four of them silhouetted on horses with a, a red sun glowing sun behind them so if you didn't see the Ninja Turtles bit above it, you wouldn't know what the movie actually was about, to be honest. No. I mean, they look great in the samurai suits. Yeah, I, I, I think do like it's that, a bit of a shame. I mean, I've only seen that film one and a half times. I watched it because I reviewed the Blu-ray box set when it came out for Starburst, and then I did a rewatch where I watched one and two. And I was like, shall I watch three? And I was like, yeah, let's be a completist about it. And I got about halfway yeah. through and I was like, fuck it, I'm putting on TMNT instead. <laughs> I think um, it's a bit of a shame, really, that they didn't kind of 
um, go back to the first one and make it more of like a moody samurai, like desaturate a little bit. And I was excited because they brought back Casey Jones and it was Elias Cotis again. And he's just wasted. Totally wasted. Yeah. The only thing that I really took away from that film that stuck with me was fucking Baltimore as Tarzan boy. Because it was stuck <laughs> in my head for fucking ages. <laughs> I also thought it was really weird. Out of all of the characters, they had it. It was Mikey was the one who wanted to stay in um, feudal Japan. So why would Mikey want to stay there? Leo would yeah. want to stay there. Leo, the one who, you know, spends the most time trying to perfect his art with his weapons. Mikey's like, they always say that Mikey's the most naturally gifted. So he just messes around with his nunchucks and it comes naturally. But Leo's the one who studies the, you know, techniques and listens to all the old mysticism from Splinter and leans towards like the, the warrior's way and all that kind of stuff. I said, that's so, why everybody mistakenly thinks that Leonardo's the boring character. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, and also that like, you know, Raph's the troubled one. But for me, like, Raph just lets out steam with Casey. Mikey goes and messes about with Donnie. It's Leo that's left to stew on stuff and have to worry about stuff, and it's Leo that kind of feels the responsibility. He's the most interesting character for me. Yeah, I mean, he suffers from the Cyclops factor, doesn't he? That he's sort of the character you need to make Raphael slash Wolverine look cooler but at the same time he's actually a really good character if you actually spend the time to develop him and actually go deep dive on him I think he's given a lot more depth and space in the um, in the Mirage run in, in, the, yeah. in the comics and you know obviously there's only so much you can do in the film yeah that, those uh, original Especially the tales of the TMNT as well. I think Leo comes out a lot more in those. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, he had those two films and there was nothing until 2007 when they sort of sequel sort of rebooted it with TMNT. Well, they were planning to do a fourth movie. Yeah, it was going to be Next Mutation, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And that's what ended up turning into the Saban series where they, yeah. were, they were going to do this fourth movie where the the turtles had continued to mutate and so like i think donnie had like psychic powers and and raf started Did to grow become like, like a snapping sort of turtle look yeah yeah i think so yeah it would have been like a tv movie wouldn't it really it's just i like the turtles as they are i don't need to see them because again you start to stray more towards the big bulky michael bay looking yeah yeah and it's like, i get that there are big turtles but these turtles are ninjas <laughs> yeah it's um and it's just i don't know it's such an obvious thing to make raf a hulking thing whereas it's kind yeah. of again to use another x-men analogy you want the wolverine thing of you know it's little man syndrome isn't it oh totally yeah yeah you definitely know, wolverine's a pig-headed fighter because he's short he's <laughs> yeah and he gets really angry and he goes all stabby that's, that's exactly what Raph's like. Or he's Hugh Jackman and he's so good looking that he just gets stabby about it. Either way, it works for Hugh, it works for Wolverine. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unless you're going to turn Raph into Hugh Jackman, I think we keep him the way he is. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. That would be a very interesting mutation. 
I'd watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Maybe, yeah, maybe the greatest show out of curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I. The 2007 one was the first one I saw at the cinema. Because I remember oh, when the 1991 came out, I was desperate to see it at the cinema. We went to stay with my auntie in London and they had all the big posters up. Yeah. And I, but obviously, my auntie had no fucking interest in seeing that film and wasting money on it. Right. So I didn't yeah. get to see it until it came out on video. And, um, and then two came out shortly after. So like I say, they were in quick succession, but I didn't see that at the cinema either. We just didn't go to the cinema much as kids if it wasn't a summer release kind of thing. No, I, I remember seeing at the cinema, I saw, I can remember seeing Roger the Turtles and Jurassic Park, I think, and maybe Batman Returns. Those are the main four times I remember as a kid going to watch movies. Um, but yeah, I remember going to see Turtles in our local little cinema in the town next where I grew up and it was a nice. really rain. And um, we, we had to, we were trying to get, get across the road to the cinema place because like, the heavens just opened and it was tipping it down. And um, a bloke was running across the road and he just ran straight into me and I went flying uh, into the road and skagged up my hands and fell into a puddle and uh, I got up I was a bit shaken and my dad was like oh are you all right we, we probably need to go home because I like my hands were bleeding and I was like uh, no we are not going home I may be cold and <laughs> my hands are but I'm going to see this movie exactly I can remember sitting in there watching the trailers thinking actually I am a bit like cold and my my hands are throbbing but then as soon as that movie started, was it i couldn't feel my hands anymore or anything it was just completely to that movie it was it's one of those like memories that really stay with you yeah i remember a kid that i was at senior school with was going to america on holiday and i was like if i give you the money can you buy me the not realizing that the whole pal ntsc thing yeah and i was like if i give you the money and then I was like, I don't actually fully trust you. So if you buy it, I'll give you the money afterwards. But I'm not giving you money in advance. <laughs> so that never happened. And then it came out on video. I d although I didn't own it on video. We must have waited for it to come on Sky, like most films, at the time. And then taped off of that. And then, like I say, I watched two more as a kid. Um, like I say, three passed me by. And then by 2007, I, my big regret is I didn't buy any of the toys in 2007. But I wasn't really into buying toys then not until i hit like you know proper adulthood then i went back to buying toys yeah they they were pretty cool actually weren't they those ones when they came out for that movie yeah so, the designs are really nice i mean the 90s turtles designs are my favorite look of the turtles yeah i think they yeah sort of, i've got they walked that line between the cartoon and quote unquote real world yeah kind of thing but yeah those the designs of the TMNT ones are really nice. Um, my nephew had some, and my aunt, uh, my sister-in-law just took them all to the charity shop along with the Turtle Sewer Cave, uh, Sewer <sighs> Playset. I was like, John, but you could have sold that I'm, for I'm me. Sure. <laughs> yeah, good idea. Always check out charity shops, check out little toy bins. You never know what you'll find in there. No, that's it. But um, I really enjoyed the 2007 one. Yeah, I really really enjoyed it too because I, I remember um, I 
all through the 2000s, I collected the uh, TMNT comic, which is when Peter Loud bought the bought Eastman's half off of him yeah. and then continued to publish Turtles from Mirage Studios as a, a black and white comic. And I remember reading in there, you know, when there was he was mentioning about doing a new movie and here it's seeing all like the sort of sketches and the lead up to it. And I was really interested because I thought, this is going to be a Ninja Turtles movie kind of driven from the Peter Loud side. Cause I always felt that the next mutation was sort of pushed more from Kevin Eastman's side of, you know, let's just get something wacky out there and make more. I always felt that Peter Loud was yeah, more, well, Peter more Laird really talks about that series. He, he yeah. has a massive problem with Venus de Milo, understandably. I think that was yeah. a real sticking point for him. He was much more um, kind of sensitive with the, the product, with the license. Yeah. You know, he, he knew what those characters were and he knew what sort of stories they would be involved in, how they would act. And he just kept it more grounded um, from them as a character's point of view, but then also brought in all the cool kind of mysticism and um, like sort of... Ancient ninja um, stories and mysteries and stuff like that. So I do think they've stayed relevant because of what Peter Laird did. I think yeah. they carried on down the just chuck it on any old piece of shit. I mean, you had the 2003 yeah, cartoon that was, which was awesome. Yeah, superb. And then nothing until they did the fast forward. Not they did the fast forward series. Then they did the Turtles Forever cartoon. Yeah, and then obviously we got the Nickelodeon one after he sold Turtles to Nickelodeon for well, a tidy I sum think, of money. Well, Peter Laird knew that there was an awful lot of what made the Turtles awesome that people hadn't seen before. Yeah, he had all that, all those stories in that original Mirage run. Most people were familiar with the Archie stuff and the Archie run and the cartoon. So Peter Laird knew that the as a franchise and the stories and the characters was all sat in that mirage run you know like you're good like 50 or 60 issues of the mirage black and white run so it's like look this, this is good stuff and we we can do a cartoon that is silly but still works for kids and kids yeah. but and we can tell all these stories which is which is what they started to do which is why i love that cartoon so much is because it like a lot of it is just you, you pick up a, an issue of that old Mirage series and the cartoon on TV is just an animated version of slightly tweaked certain bits. So it's not as maybe as dark or as violent in places, but it's a really good translation of those original comics. Yeah, that's another one. I've got as much of it as they released on DVD, but they've never released the complete series. Which yeah, I don't get. Why would you sit on that? Why wouldn't you just put it back out? I don't know, but there was a website called iOffer a little while back. It's not around anymore, but it was basically um, just bootleg central. Yeah. So any old TV series you want, um, they people say, well, I offer that on DVD. I've ripped it all off telly. So yeah. I went on there and got the whole series on DVD. Nice. Because, uh, yeah, I think Nickelodeon started putting them out in the States but never did complete series. It was just like random episodes. That's right. 
just so fucking yeah, frustrating. Yeah, yeah, random collections of a few episodes here and there. Then, but that last Nickelodeon series, they didn't release the final episodes over here. I had to import them. That last Nickelodeon series. Yeah, that arc was fantastic. Well, that, that whole was, series was fantastic. Was the Wraith in the Wasteland ones were raised as well. That whole yeah, yeah. final season. Yeah, it was so good. It just drew all the best bits from all the different versions, and they really knew what they they knew their total stuff. Right? They yeah. definitely were huge fans. They did a brilliant job. That's it. I mean, so obviously you had the 2007 film as well, which didn't generate the interest they were hoping for. So it lay dormant till the Michael Bay ones, which we talked about. Yeah. Um, so sort of if they because inevitably it'll happen if they do another turtles reboot what would you like to see obviously they're aliens from space this time (laughs) (laughs) well that whole that whole aliens from space thing i think that was a bit of a misunderstanding because really they they are of alien because the ooze from the tcri was being transported by the utrons to their ship that they were trying to up and yeah ready so they could leave the planet so it's it's essentially aliens that they have got mutated by well yeah i think so, he tried to clarify that didn't he but by that point the damage was done so they were just like just don't well, fucking everyone, touch it everyone was so terrified as to what he was going to do that when that came out he's going to make them aliens people were like well i wouldn't put it past him yeah i know so yeah, yeah. well yeah look what he did to but, transformers for fuck's sake i know <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a different I think podcast. What I, what I would like to see, I think, is is obviously something more similar to the original movie, um, that is based around the original Mirage Run. You know, like rooftops of New York, alleyways of New York, uh, cool looking shredder. I mean, we got most of it in that first movie. Yeah. Really. I, I think they sh- they should look at that for how things, you know, should should be handled. But I think if they if and when they do, it wouldn't surprise me if they do a new movie and they base it more on the IDW run. Yeah. Again, that's sort of incorporating the best of from all the different elements of Turtles, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And it also they gone to quite a bit of effort to plug in some of the holes like the idea of of the origins and things like that so in the idw run they they brought in elements of reincarnation as well so the yeah, spirit there's a heartbreaking of, thing in one of the issues where you see like michelangelo as a boy crying yeah when they're all murdered yeah yeah, that's right. You've got this whole like ancient samurai family and the young boys of Oroku, of um, Hamato Yoshi and, you know, they're all ultimately perishing. But then their spirits getting reincarnated later when the mutation happens. And so it it, it brings in the richer, more sort of lore and history of that, yeah. that connection with their ninjutsu past rather than Splinter just you know, either finding a book and reading about it or learning it from his cage. And so I think that that, as a, as a story idea, I think that's really good. You know, it all 
hangs together well. So it wouldn't surprise me if they lent more to and brought in, um, elements like Baxter and the Foot Clan and all that, but but in the way they do it through the IDW stories, which is kind of taking the best elements from all the different ones. Yeah, I think, like you say, sort of go back to that 90 film, use that as a jumping off point. I think you could make a great trilogy. Yeah. I, well, they like were gonna, you have the they initial were run, you have the, the leaving the city, then you have come back and do a condensed version of even City War or something like that for your third part. I, I think that they're, I think that if they were going to do that, I think if you did the proper return to New York, like you had in the, um, in the comics. So in the first movie, you have the turtles, um, taken out shredder. And then you have a, a middle part, which is them more sort of finding themselves out in, in Northampton sort of area. And then they return to New York and the shredders being brought back with, I think, it's like some strange like worm things they use in the in the comic yeah. and so you get the the different mutant versions of the shredder which are really cool like one with the, cl- the crab claws and the really tall one and things and and then you have like that showdown again on the top of the building with leo versus the shredder so i, th- I think if they use that as the the model that would be really cool yes um which how would you go with the suit cgi or I think that they need to do a mixture, like like the Star Wars thing, mixing having actual suits, but then CGIing onto the the head where you need to. Yeah, it's got to be, isn't it? It's I'd much. I mean, there's nothing more ridiculous than the behind the scenes photos of the Michael Bay one, where it's just the guys with the big rigs hanging off. Yeah. Which you know, one of those guys is now going to be Jack Reacher, but. <laughs> but um it's just yeah i think i'd love to see baxter the fly in live action as well because that terrified me as a kid that really freaked me out the idea of him i mean obviously it's a ripoff of the fly fly yeah but um yeah that freaked me out as a kid yeah that would be well i think that's what you do really like your first first um film is a retelling basically like the 90s movie like a modern update remake of the 90s movie the second movie is your baxter story with your your mousers which is what they intended to do with secret of the use yeah the they were gonna have baxter as the bad guy they were gonna have the mousers in it but it would have cost too much to have that all those puppets and trying to work it all out wouldn't have worked and yeah, wasn't David Warner to... supposed to turn out to be a Krang? Not Krang, but one of the Krang. Yeah, one of the Utrons. Yeah, yeah. Because they were the secret use was supposed to be they find out that it's actually fuel for the Utron spaceship, but all of that got canned. So you know the title "Secret the Use" doesn't have as big an impact in the you know what ultimately became the second movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's no real secret to the use, is there? <laughs> but one thing that they should bring in if they make another one it's just one thing that they've all as far as i'm concerned they've all act apart from the first movie and that is proper martial arts proper stunt team and yeah you know proper butt kicking stuff because that 
that's one of the big strengths of that movie is, is up to that point i don't think in a in a kids movie i'd seen proper proper kong fight team doing scenes in a in an american movie like that yeah it's um yeah no i think you're right it's i mean well getting golden harvest in was the genius of that wasn't it it's yeah definitely yeah i mean so much of the turtles was inspired by eastman led you know watching bruce lee movies and jackie chan movies and things like that so if you want your characters to interact like that on screen then you need to use the teams that put those films together and you know have that sort of action in your movie i said i like the sort of grimy look of that as well i like that it not just that it's dark, but it also looks dirty. <laughs> kind well, of, it looks like nine, it looks like nineties New York. You imagine the book. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It looks hot yeah, and sweaty I mean, and dirty you, and horrible. And well, the amount of um, like it's either it looks like you say grimy and and sticky and dirty, or it's raining, or it's just it just looks really tacked yeah and, and even just like when um splinters all shackled up and held up and he, he looks like he's been sort of sweating and crying and all that sort of those details and things that's what helps to really add to the atmosphere yeah yeah um, definitely. I remember hearing that the um the team the puppeteer team was saying to steve barron like can we not keep spraying everything with water because the latex is just going to rot away? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but if we don't, it just looks like we've put a puppet in the scene. And so he's, he's adding more of this, like uh, this gel that's watered down to add glisten to certain bits of the puppets and things. Even the puppeteers themselves, they said, well, the puppets aren't, the suits aren't going to last very long, but it looks so much better on camera. Yeah, which, uh, which Turtles actor was it? who put his head on a few years ago at a convention and it's just all fucking pretty much rotted away. Oh, right. Yeah. And it was the one, oh, the guy in the second one, who's the human, the pizza delivery guy who gets oh, involved. Yeah. He played yeah, a turtle um, in the first film, didn't he? That's Am I remembering right, that yeah, right? he played, yeah, no, I think he played, might have been like Donatello in the first I one. I think it was Donatello, yeah. It's him. I think it's on YouTube that it's him and he puts the head on and it's where it's all rotted away. It's mostly like just the animatronics and eyes sticking out because <laughs> I'd love one of those suits, but obviously never couldn't maintain it. No, it's no like all those suits like the Batman suits and all that. It just rots away over time, unfortunately. Also, some of the suits look better than the others. Like yeah. um, the the head the heads that they used for a lot of the fight scenes, just the stationary heads that didn't actually have any animatronics in them. And so really, really naff. Like Mikey's one in one of the fight scenes and he's swinging his nunchucks around. It looks completely different to any of the other heads. Yeah. Yeah, the Raph one in the subway fight when he rescues April is stuck in that grimace sort of expression, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's like, just make him look angry. <laughs> <laughs> but... Again, I mean, that's small. That's repeat viewing, you notice that stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I didn't notice the um, Mikey head at all 
because I hadn't seen the nunchuck scenes that much. Yeah. It was only when I got the uncut version. It's like, whoa, what's wrong with Mikey there? Oh, it's obviously it's a static head because it's for a fight scene. So I really noticed it before. It's only when you see a different cut. Yeah. It's, it's um, it's, like I said, it's hugely impressive what they did for the time, for the money. I think one one thing as well that would make a good new movie, which is some that people don't seem to have as much in filmmaking these days, especially big budget, is limitations. So yeah. much of what made this film work was the limitations that they had. Is the fact that they had to hide things, they had to shoot things a certain way, they you know, they had to do it like quickly, not over labour certain bits. Um well, see, a lot of the fights happen in the dark, don't they? Like. Yeah. I mean, the first one, the ref subway fight, a lot of that's sort of in the dark. It's um, because you don't see them properly until they're walking in the sewer. Yeah. Before the uh, turtles yeah. thing comes up. That's right. Yeah. And the, the logo comes up at the start. Yeah. So you see the shadows and then they finally walk into shot and you get your first decent look at them when they're doing the bodacious. We were excellent. Blossing over. Chevy Nova? Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'll be I'll be really interested to see what they do do next. Actually, there's always rumours. Oh, there's going to be another movie, another movie, and a lot of the time I sort of think, well, I don't mind what they do. I've got my my movie. What they do is interesting. See what. Yeah, that's it. I mean, next. like I say, the Michael Bay one. As much as I don't like it, I quite enjoyed the second one. Um, I think I don't know. Part of me wonders whether a certain level of fandom potentially ruined what they wanted to do with the first one, because William Fichtner was meant to be Shredder, right? Originally, yeah. and obviously fans kicked off about that, which arguably rightly so, because you're taking an Asian character and turning it into a another white cis male kind of thing. thing. Yeah. But if they had an interesting story for why he was Shredder or it was going to be like the Mandarin where, uh, you know, it's somebody pretending to taking on the name because they wasted yeah. Shredder in both those movies. I Shredder's a very non-character. The problem is, it's like, it's very simple what you need to do, you know. So with Michael Bay, you look at Transformers, you're like, well, those are Transformers. You've got the budget, just put those on screen. Yeah. And there was a, there was a little advert or a little test or whatever that came out before the Transformers movie came out that showed Optimus Prime just going from a tr- truck into Optimus Prime. And it looked like Optimus Prime. And everybody thought that's going to look amazing when the movie comes out. And then the movie comes out and there's all this like extra bits to it. And it, like it's just all over blood. So when the Turtles rumors came out, there's going to be a new movie. And you get all this, this, like things have changed, and that's going to be this. Just like, no, you don't need to. What you, you need to do is all there, in 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 the comic, in the premise of what the turtles are. Just do that, and just do it well. So I think a lot of the reaction just came from the fact that they thought that Michael Bay was mucking about with stuff because he didn't actually need to. Yeah, I mean that is the problem. I think. I mean, I've got no problem with people changing things if they've got. You know, it works for the story they want to tell. In some ways, it's more interesting. 
Yeah, well, the IDW run is a perfect example yeah. of that. You know, you can change things if there's a reason for it. If you realize, if you think you're going to make a stronger story, or you know, like tweak it to make it more relevant or interesting. That's it, or just I, to give it a richer feel. Yeah, the world but, they built in those IDW comics is so rich. I mean, there's a, probably a reason it's the longest running Turtles cartoon that's today, isn't there? It's yeah, a comic strip, uh, com, uh, comic series rather. Yeah, definitely. Um, they, they've got a really good creative team on it, and they let some incredibly talented people drive the drive the train. You know. That's six it. issues or eight or ten issues you know you got Matteo Santaloco was allowed to drive the secret history of the Foot Clan and now you're into people like Sophie Campbell doing all of the sort of mutated New York storyline and um and you get people saying oh, I don't like this artist or I don't like the way it's going you'll always get that but give it you know a few issues and then they'll let yeah. somebody else come in you stick with any series long enough there's going to be arcs you don't like but even yeah. the stuff they're doing out of continuity, like Last Ronin, is really interesting. Whether it lands or not, it's difficult to yeah, say, because until you've got the complete story. Yeah, there are arcs, of, there are bits of the IDW run that I don't personally like, but I appreciate the creativity that's going into it, and I can see why they're doing what they're doing, telling the stories they're telling. Yeah. That necessarily mean I like the characterizations or what they're doing with it, but I'm, I can see that really you know a lot of skills going into it yeah no definitely i mean that'd be where i'd look to if i was coming back to do another film i'd look at the 90s movie and what they're doing in idw yeah and be like this is where we go from or even look at the last nickelodeon series not the rise of the turtles one yeah it's just two times go with turtles (laughs) (laughs) which it's it's what it is it's fine it's that seems to be the way cartoons are going at the moment so it's not for me, but... Well, that Nickelodeon series, definitely, if they get the creative team in who know their stuff... And, That's um, it, and that series just got better and better end. as it went on. For me as well, the, the main thing I would want to see is, I'd like to see them to be, because we turtles, there's no point in having tall turtles. As characters, they are not tall. They're always supposed to be about four foot tall, yeah. between three and four foot tall. And I would like to see a splint um, that, uh, like the Michael Bay splint, it was just weird. I didn't get what, it was creepy, he was uh, sadistic, he was, he had a nasty edge to him, and um, that's just not the splinter character at all. Yeah, he, he always had a you know side of discipline and you know, do doing right and do your training, all that sort of stuff. It was so much wisdom and heart to that character, a real grounding factor for the show. And the importance well, of family the movie. for that character. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. At the risk of going all fast and furious, because you can't say family now without it being a fast and furious <laughs> thing. <laughs> but, it's... but that scene in the first movie where Raph comes in after his fight with with Casey and and just there just sort of sat with one candle and he basically says come and sit down and he has a chat with him and basically says you know we're here for you my son two puppets you know, <laughs> talking to each other but it's so heartfelt and it's so you know it still gets me but it's so 
like naff and sad to admit it but i just think it's a brilliant scene and it still gets me even now you know like father to son a bit of a sort of hand on the shoulder to say we know you have rage inside you we know that there's stuff you find hard to deal with but we're here for you and you know you know we will be your support it's like this is a giant rat and a rubbery turtle this is the effect to me this way <laughs> all that stuff between strength and turtles i mean the whole thing you know with the i could relate to raf so much when he loses his sight that's yeah. how i get if i lose something yeah. <laughs> i'm just so angry at myself the fact it's gone the universe but just yeah. the whole bit with splinter is just like then it's gone yeah it's just so paternal yeah in in all yeah, the right ways but yeah it's it's the sort of thing that you watch and you just think in a million years you know michael bay would never be able to do a scene like this just doesn't understand what's going on here now michael bay is the guy you go to for your slow-mo stuff and awesome explosions yeah so if you want that shit michael bay is your man there's I'll say there's arguably anybody who does that stuff better in a pure popcorn movie kind of way. Yeah, yeah, sure. The, the guy excels but, at that. But if you want depth and character, he's not your man. As much as I no. love The Rock. <laughs> and even arguably yeah. most of Armageddon. But Well, he's he's got his... Um... He's got his specialities. They just don't really apply to a, an Ninja Turtles. They, they don't work for beloved kids franchises, nah. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> I could say, but but no, that was awesome. Cheers for that. I uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed rewatching the film as well. Yeah, yeah any excuse to stick that one on. That one's that's one of my uh, sort of evergreen movies. That and Ghostbusters and Never Ending Story. I can just watch those over and over again. That's it. They're films that are good in their own right, but also sort of take you back to a point in your life. Yeah. I watch yeah, that film exactly. and I can still smell the trading cards. In yeah. Way, and I still remember all the Turtles paraphernalia I had at the time. I remember my nan giving me a bright pink shell suit. That, just because it had turtles awesome. on the back it wasn't nice. proper turtles it was like a london market knockoff one i could never wear it it was bright pink but because <laughs> she was a short woman and i was a average sized 11 12 year old right so i think i wore it around the house once to be polite but <laughs> it, wasn't, could... it wasn't just like your nan's, your nan's old shell suit she just like markered turtles on the back I mean, it pretty much was that. She bought it not realising that it had turtles on the back. Right. Obviously, because it came from a market store, you couldn't take it back. So. Yeah. yeah always, so and she was like, you like, know, turtles yeah. have this. I was like, thanks. What's like, you don't hero... ever expect to wear this, do you? What's the hero turtle now? <laughs> it's like Bort Simpson or... There was some amazing Man. turtles knockoff stuff you used to find on the market. The knockoff action figures were ace. Yeah, they pop up on Facebook, like sort of um, hero, reptile, mutant <laughs> fighters and things like that. So, some of them are really good. They're like, they're somewhere between the cartoon and the Eastman and Laird versions. They're really nice looking figures. And they'd fall apart in your hand, unfortunately, because, you know, quid from yeah. the market. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. it is interesting to see what bootleggers come up with. Yeah, it's, I mean, 
bizarrely, some of that stuff's worth more than the uh, official Turtles figures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. Are you crazy? Yeah, Leo, I'm crazy, okay? A loony, okay? Why? 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 Oh, I don't know. Because I wanted to redecorate. You know, a couple throw pillows, a TV news reporter. What do you think? Hmm. So, um, I like to end these ones with the uh, Bernard Pivo questions from mostly made famous from inside the actor's studio. So if you're up for answering them, I will okay. fire those at you. Yeah, I'll give it a yeah. Cracking. All right, then. So what is your favorite word? Favorite word? Um, that's tricky. I quite like, I said it earlier, I think, I quite like katana. Nice. Yeah, just katana. It's, it just, and um, yeah, just fun. <laughs> uh, what is your least favourite word? I don't think I can think of any word that I don't like. Uh, uh, I don't know, maybe deadline or budget, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> so when whenever it pops up, it's like, oh no. <laughs> Overdue. Deadline comes up quite a bit with illustrators. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what turns you on creatively in life or whatever? Oh, fancy yeah. stuff that isn't real. Yeah, nice. Fantasy's great. Um, what turns you off? Well, I suppose I have to be reality. <laughs> <laughs> All the real shit. <laughs> All the stuff that grounds you and, and pulls you out of the fantasy all the stuff where they say you're a grown-up now you need to be dealing with this <laughs> yeah exactly exactly stop reading that comic put that video game down deal with this <laughs> uh what sound or noise do you love one noise whenever i hear it, it takes me back there's a smile on my face it's got to be the hadouken from street fighter 2 nice just, just reminds me of, of arcades summer holiday just in general, like the, the arcade sounds, I like the, the ping of pinball, the Hadouken of the Street Fighter machine, um, like the, the roar of the crowd of WrestleFest machine, like from that golden age of arcade machines. But the one the noise that kind of would echo out over all the others uh, with the crash of the waves and things would be the old Hadouken from Street Fighter 2, I think. Nice. Uh, what sound or noise do you hate? Sound or noise I hate. Um, spitting. I don't like it when people spit. Yeah. You're walking along and you're someone, you know, by and just sort of spit it on the street. It's like, just swallow it. That's why nature <laughs> gave you the ability to think that you need to express it onto the street. It's, it. it's the noise. It's the clearing the stuff or generating the spit. It's the noise of the spit leaving. It's just all horrible, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, I just I'd love it if there was some thing of physics that you could tweak so that as someone spits it just reverses and goes straight back in their face or in their <laughs> eye just as a reminder that you know yeah exactly yeah nature sort of brings it back straight in their eye or their hair or something like the wanted curved bullet kind of thing <laughs> yeah yeah very much so it's just gross. 
Yeah, it is. There's no need for it as well, especially now. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you still see people doing it now. It's like, what don't you understand about expressing your liquids just generally into everybody else's atmosphere? It's it's just gross. Yeah, yeah there's no need for it. No need at all. But, uh, what's your favourite curse word? Favourite curse word? Um, quite like crap. Which no, one? crap. Oh, that's crap. Crap. Yeah. crap, crap, crappy crap, crap. That brings me quickly back to the turtle film. One thing that I had never really thought of before, but I was talking to an American friend, and they said it was so cool to go and watch the turtles movie, and it felt really because it was shadowy. But all, the first thing that the turtles say is a swear word. Because Raph just comes in and goes, damn, you know, and we, we don't really think of that as a swear word, but hell and damn in yeah. in America is seen more as a swear word. So, um, yeah, I, I never thought of that, you know, like you watch your colorful cartoon with your turtles on where they're throwing pizzas and saying cowbunga and you go and watch the movie and then and they're on there kicking butt and swearing and stuff. So it's definitely the. Um, uh, a big sort of cool thing when you're kids be like whoa this is ace yeah <laughs> just came to me so yeah crap crap's a good run crap's good i mean like you say it's universal as well works nicely as just something you chant and you it's like, crap, yeah crap, i like crap, 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 crap. i like ones that are sort of an expression like balls is a good one one way you just take a breath in and it comes out as a kind of like crap or yeah. balls or just like a sort of noise you make to, to exhale it's air and less express the more exhale. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, God. Um, I can do anything other than drawing. I'd like to have a go at, um, I'd like to be a toy sculptor nice yeah i was like that, that, that would be cool just uh, sculpt and stuff if nothing else from an illustrative point of view it'd be nice to make a toy of the character you've just designed so you've got in there in front of you for when you draw yeah. the comic well also. i'm very lucky to have my um my flint and loud my battle badger models that were yeah done for was sort of 3D modeling and then 3D printed out, but because I always thought, oh, maybe one day I'll try and sit down with some modeling clay and make some models. And then the guy mate at work said, oh, I'll have a go doing it. Yeah, go for it. And he just knocked it way out of the park. Yeah, I've seen him in photos and I was like, where the fuck did he get those from? They're awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, they're, they're wicked. Absolutely. Get on wicked. the playmates. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'd, I'd, I'd like to try and get, you know, a bunch of them done, but it's just a case of making it cost effective. And, That's and, it, I don't build off and, unless you're going to get, yeah. like, thousands and thousands made up. Exactly. I don't think it's ever going to be cost effective, yeah. effective to do but, it. But they are, they are cool, like you say, if, if I'm ever at the position where I do want to start sending like say the pdf of the collected volume of badgers out and around and i can take shots of the the models and things and, and just make a little package to send to people and say 
here it is as an idea. What do you think? Has it got yeah. legs? <laughs> it's, yes. it's a, but yeah, I mean, we'll talk more about that in a second. But um, what profession really? would you not like to do? Oh, God. Uh, I think the hardest sort of scariest profession in the world is being a teacher, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's one thing I don't know I could do. It's one of those things that looks nice and romantic in certain movies, but the reality of it is probably. <laughs> it just look, looks terrifying. The idea of, of trying, I mean, if people have come to you, like, you know, one to one or a couple of people come to you and say, can we sit down, show us what you do and try and give us a bit of knowledge? Yeah, no problem. But the idea of having 30 kids that most of them don't want to be there and, yeah, terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh, it was one of those things. I was like, oh, get all the summer holidays off, which you don't, because obviously you got to do your lesson plans and all that shit. But but the bigger thing for me was like imagine, other people's kids, though. I can imagine that the the summer holidays is just six months of therapy, getting you yeah prepared for the next term. Yeah, it's uh, well, I remember being a child at school, so. I wouldn't want to see it on the other side. It was bad enough on that side. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that's that is another part of it. Yeah, I I'm totally aware that of what school is like and what kids are like, and yeah, it's uh, like a little prison, really. You gathered them all up and stuffed them into that building and said, "You cannot leave. You must listen." Well, of course, they don't want to listen, and they get frustrated and they take it out on each other. <laughs> that's it. You've got to learn this shit that will never really come into play in your life. <laughs> I'm going to force yeah. you to learn it anyway. And also, you're all treated as if you're all roughly at the same level, which you're not. People learn at different times, in different ways, at different paces. So a lot of you are going to get left behind. So sit yeah. there and just deal with it, which obviously, you know, when you're a teenager and all the different things that are going on in your mind and body and that, you just get even more frustrated and start to take out on each other. That's why I got good at doodling because I just couldn't keep up with some classes, so I just started yeah. scribbling in pads instead. Exactly, <laughs> me too. Yeah. But yeah. All right then. And finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? <laughs> oh God. Uh, okay. Uh, I think there's only one answer to this, and I want that bugger to say sorry. <laughs> you get up there and he stood there with his big beard proving that he does exist that this was all his plan all his creation and you go up there and just with a illustration on my face i'd be like go on then where's the apology for all of the all of the war stress disease famine you know insects that lay their eggs in other creatures brains you know, it's just all this stuff of of nature and reality and existence that you just look at and think if this is someone's plan this is the weirdest weirdest <laughs> sick twisted way of putting together an existence or you know ways of existing on this planet i mean it is fascinating from a scientific point of view when you take out religion and you just look at things as the ways things uh, creatures have adapted and evolved in order to survive and these things that look completely illogical and almost well kind of are random in a way leading to a, a certain goal of 
co-creation and existence and you take away the god side of it it's like that's amazing you can learn about it for ages but if someone was to say yeah and somebody planned that they planned that disease or they planned that virus that digs into someone's dna or you know melts their lungs from the inside out that's when you go okay i don't ever want to meet this person <laughs> because that is one sick one totally sick he, if he is up there with billy he'd probably just laugh and be like oh forget about all that that was just a joke and uh, have fun in heaven play the arcades and drink the fizzy pop <laughs> if like, don't blame me i was reading battle badges <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> be like, where's issue seven you prick <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i'd say well you should have given me more time that's another thing why do you invent the idea of time why do you do that why do you put a time limit on everything you didn't it. have to. So why'd you make yeah. it so I had to work to earn the money to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, but, so uh, it's got a lot to answer for. Yes, but that brings us on nicely to uh, yeah, what you've got going on. Obviously, the Kickstarter just happened, and I believe yeah, scraped the, by. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah, I made a, a nice little pot of money which I can then um use to try and get some more battle badges stuff out further down the road so i've got about another 50 books to post out i'll get that out over the next i thought you were going to say I've got another 50 books planned out <laughs> oh no i've got another like, six books i've got another six books planned out will that be um, the next story arc will it yeah that's the next story arc Nice. Uh, but like the first story arc, I mean, the first story arc took me five, six years or whatever to produce slowly. Yeah, because it's pretty and much an issue a year, isn't it? It was pretty much. And like I've said many times with a project like that, you've got to be realistic. You've got yeah. to realise how much effort, time, energy goes into producing something. So if I sit down and think, well, I've produced that, that those last six issues... I need to do these next ones and I need to do it quicker because people are waiting for it. All I'm going to do is put, you know, unrealistic pressure on myself and it won't be fun. And your own little indie um, projects and things, you've got to keep them going at a reasonable pace so it still works, it's still fun, you've still got the space to be creative, make it as good as you can make it and just let it come out when it comes out based on a realistic schedule you put down. So. That's it. Once yeah, you start will... feeling like a chore, that's when you start phoning them in a bit, isn't it? It's... Yeah. You stop doing your best yeah, work also, sometimes. Also, you start thinking, like, oh, why, why am I producing this? And if you're only producing it because you know that people are sat there waiting for it, then the work's going to be different. Whereas yeah. if you're producing it because you feel you've got a story to tell and you know if you just keep going at the pace you're going at time down the road, you will have it produced. Like with the first six books, I knew I wanted to do six books. I knew what was going to happen in them. I just knew I needed to do it for a certain amount of time every week and, you know, try and have fun doing it, putting putting effort into the work to make it look as good as I could. Just yeah. keep going like that, ticking on. And, and time will pass and eventually it will be produced. So it be the same mentality for the next ones I go into. Um, so yeah, once the, the books are sent out and Kickstarter, you know, I put a full stop on that. I can look 
moving into carrying or planning the next six six books and hopefully be starting to pencil the first one um maybe like november maybe yeah. on the run up to christmas maybe it's, it's a gorgeous book right like i said mine arrived the other day if it feels like a chunky annual i know it's not an annual inside but it's got that i think the hardback glossy cover and everything really reminds yeah. me of getting an annual at christmas yeah. and all the oh, back matter cool. in it as well that's cool because i mean i do like the sort of weighty feel of an annual yeah a nice sort of shiny hard back but did you ever see the ultimate collection they did for the ninja turtles books uh, uh, i've got some back. of the paperback ones i haven't got any of the hardback ones the the hardback ones um a larger format with with the extra sketches and back matter and stuff like that i got one of those and that was my my aim to produce something like one of those and so when it came back from the the printer and it was just like the same sort of quality as that i was like yeah that's more than what i ever really hoped for yeah no that's always a great thing so you, you always have expectations in your mind don't you well you have the yeah. expectation and the reality in your mind so when when it yeah, arrives exactly. it exceeds I, I, yeah yeah it's brilliant yeah it's really good but, so once you've fulfilled the kickstarters uh, will it be available on your website or you take taking it to cons or uh I'm, where, where can people who missed out pick one up well people who missed out can go to my etsy store and um pick it up from there i wanted to make sure i got everybody's book um or sticking it on there so i yeah. get these last ones out and um it will be on the Etsy store probably like the end of this week. So people can pick it up from there if they, of they missed out. By the time this comes out. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Um, the All the extras and, and bits and bobs that were available with the Kickstarter, um, I'm afraid, were only for the Kickstarter peeps. So it's only the book itself that's available through the Etsy. But hopefully that should be enough to entice yeah. and entertain. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you've got to give some exclusives with the Kickstarter, haven't you? It's, it's the perks yeah. of getting, so that they'll know to get on board when uh, the 7 yeah. to 12 edition comes out. Yeah, exactly, definitely. And hopefully, uh, um, cons down the road, I shall see visitors to my table with the little special Kickstarter enamel Battle Badger badge. That's kind of like the, the Battle Badger fan club, I think. Yeah, it's a lovely little badge. Mine's up on my shelf somewhere. There it is. Yeah, it's a yeah. gorgeous little design. My mate was on to me for years saying, you need to get really cool, like, specific enamel badges done. This was when I was like doing issue two or three. I said, yeah, yeah it's one, one day further down the line, we'll do all these extra bits. But first, let's get the books done first. That's it. That's it. Let's get the, product, the actual you know, main product done first, then we'll do the uh, merchandising. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's more fun then when you've got all the all the main bit of it done out of the way, then you start to think, oh, we can do this and a bit of that, and so yeah, who knows? Maybe with the next collected one, maybe we'll have T-shirts and all sorts. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, where can people find you online uh, if they uh, want to seek you out and find more? Yeah, if they want to seek me out and send me a message or um, anything like that. Uh, I'm Battle Badgers on Facebook and uh, 
Instagram and Twitter. Uh, just Google Beast Hunting Battle Badges to my website and that'll, that'll link you to other social media and things like that. So, yeah, I've got quite a few of these social media site thingies. It's quite hard to keep up with them all, but <laughs> just, um, just generally put in a Google or put um, Battle Badges into one of them and, and you usually find me. Awesome. Cool. Well, cheers for doing this. I really enjoyed it. No, it's been great. Yeah, um, any chance to geek out about turtles and badges and stuff? It's all good with me. That's got to be done. That's the next thing. The uh, TMNT Beast Hunting Battle Badges crossover. Maybe we've chucked in Usagi Yojimbo as well. Oh, yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. People always say, like, oh, if they made a, made a movie of it, it would be amazing if it was done by Pixar or something like that. And I think, yeah, that would be cool. But the coolest way to do a Battle Badges movie would be with Jim Henson's um, Creature Workshop uh, make it like the original Turtles movie where it's it sort of feels organic. That's it. That's, that's the dream. Cool man. feel to it. Yeah. Awesome. One day. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> One day. Maybe, maybe that's what I would say to God at the Pearly Gates is, where was my Battle Badges movie you get? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's here. Come yeah, on come and watch it. Oh, we've been oh, waiting for you to introduce all it. The rest, you're forgiven for all the rest. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And on that optimistic note, cheers, Steve. Uh, cheers, mate. See ya. We were awesome. Foundations. Yeah. <laughs> Gnarly. I have always liked Kawabunga. I made a money! <laughs> 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 On the half cell, then the heroes four. In this day and age, who could ask for more? The crime wave is high with muggings mysterious. All police and detectives are furious because they And that was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, I'd like to say a huge thank you again to Steve for joining me to talk about the movie and Turtles in general and just his general love of the Turtles. Uh, I really enjoyed speaking to him. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Uh, if you have some thoughts on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or this episode in general or anything related to it, please leave a comment on our socials or the Podbean page or wherever you found this episode. Um, we love to read them. We love, hearing, love to hear from you as well. Uh, I'll post all the links in the show notes. You can find us by searching The Nerds Who Haunted Themselves on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we also have an And Why Not group page on Facebook if you fancy getting involved in the film chat there. Um, I'll also post all of the links for Steve for where you can find his work and hit just him online and where you can buy the omnibus edition of beast hunting battle badgers um issues one to six it's a gorgeous book if you're a fan of tmnt bone asterix any of those sort of things or all of those things it's definitely worth checking out um on his store again i'll put all the links in the show notes so you can find them all there uh, thank you again for listening. This has been a Nerds Who Themselves production and I've been Stuart Moraine. Join me again next week for the final episode in this series where I'll be joined by my regular co-host Andy Hanks to talk about 1994's The Crow. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>